The market doesn't joke around, so why would you? Get serious. Choose Tasty Trade. Tasty Trade gives you the tools you need to make smarter moves. Dig into data with advanced charting, track profit accurately with order chain trackers, see risk clearly with curve analysis, and trade with low-capped commissions, stocks, options, futures, and more. All on one platform. No wonder serious traders choose Tasty Trade. Join the club, genius. Tasty Trading is a registered broker-dealer and member of FINRA and SIPC. I'm Scott Wapner, and you're listening to CNBC's Halftime Report, the podcast, the most profitable hour of the trading day. We record this live weekdays at 12 Eastern. Listen in. Welcome to the Halftime Report. I'm Scott Wapner, front and center from Post 9 today. Judgment days for tech. Biggest names in the space getting set to report their earnings, the first of those coming in literally a matter of hours. And just as the Nasdaq remains under heavy selling pressure yet again today, we're debating all of that and your money's next move with our investment committee. Joining me for the hour today, Stephanie Link, Amy Raskin, Josh Brown, Pete Najera, and he, of course, the co-founder of MarketRebellion.com. Let's take a look at what the markets are doing. It's an ugly picture across the board. Dow's down by nearly 600 points. That's one and three quarters percent. S&P off by just about two percent. Take a look at the NASDAQ, though. It is off by more than 3%, nearly three and a quarter, a loss of more than 400 points heading into those big reports. Josh Brown, we're setting up ugly uh, for after the bell. These names better deliver. Microsoft and Alphabet are going to kick things off. And the way the market looks now, the bar keeps rising by the minute, I suppose. One of the one of the central uh, themes in in markets over the last 10 years has been that there is a secular uh, growth quality to companies like Apple, Microsoft, Alphabet, um, Netflix, even they just were not um, uh, susceptible, you know, traditionally to the ups and downs in the economy. They always found ways to grow or their growth stories were so strong that really no matter what was going on, trade war, pandemic, you name it, uh, they just, they, they found revenue and they, and they hit the numbers uh, pretty reliably with almost, with almost no exceptions, to be honest. Uh, I, could, I could think offhand of maybe three or four Apple missed quarters since going back to 2012. I don't know if that's gonna be true anymore. And I find it hard to believe that Netflix can't add subs but Apple can just endlessly add more and more cloud services or or app downloads or whatever. Like, I really feel that that um, conceit that I've just walked you through uh, is going to be tested this week for the for the first time uh, in a major way. And I think it starts tonight with with Microsoft. Mm -hmm. Um, We'll hear from Alphabet. We'll hear from Amazon. Apple is the big one to me. That's make or break. I was on the show last week talking about that. And the reason why this is important, not just because it's an interesting story, but from an investing perspective, this is where all the revenue is. This is where all the market cap is. These are the companies that really matter the most. You could give me a thousand examples of, of GEs and, and Caterpillars, and it's not that nobody should pay attention to those stocks. Mathematically, statistically, they just don't have the same impact as the companies that I'm talking about that we're about to hear from. So all of these stocks are down 2% right now uh, across the board, the fan mag names. And they have now given back 100% of their outperformance versus the S&P 500 back to 2018. In other words, if you just bought SPY 
rather than an equal weight basket of the fan mag stocks, those six stocks, you'll break even. You could have gone either way. That's, a, that's an extraordinary amount of outperformance to have given up. So uh, that's where we are in the markets. That's a huge sentiment shift, the way that these stocks are now being treated. And I think they'll have good earnings reports. I don't mm-hmm. know if it's going to be enough this time. So, Pete, mega cap declines, just playing right off of, of what Josh was saying, in the month of April. Mm-hmm. Apple is on pace for its worst month since September of 2020. It's down 9%. Microsoft is on pace for its worst month since 2015, down 11.5%. Amazon is on pace for its worst month since 18, down 14%. Alphabet's on pace for its worst month since 2010, down 14.5%. Microsoft and Alphabet are both in bear markets because they're each down at least 20% from their 52-week highs. So your expectations going into this afternoon, literally four hours from now, a little bit less, we're already going to have Microsoft's numbers out. What are you expecting? Yeah, you know, it's interesting because I, I totally agree with what Josh was talking about in terms of how we're watching these markets and what's getting sold regardless. And I think right now, when you say, look at something like a Microsoft, it started getting sold off, it continues to be sold off. As you mentioned, this month has been absolutely horrendous. And so it's something that they've got to actually show us something big, I think. Otherwise, the direction just continues to the south, I think, for for many of these stocks. And, And obviously, looking at the NASDAQ itself, you know, it's interesting, Scott, how we've gone back and forth across 15,000 and 13,000 and 14,000 and, and banging around a little bit. But the volatility of these moves has been extraordinary. We've been talking about this for a long time now, but it's really been these mega cap names that have now started to you know, participate to the downside a lot more than they were. And it's it's going to be really interesting. Can they deliver enough? That was, that was what Josh was saying. I would say the exact same thing. Is there enough there for Microsoft tonight, for Google tonight? Different companies all the way around. But can they deliver enough to get people to say, you know what, I'm done selling? And, and I think that's what we're looking at right now. Otherwise, if they can't deliver, that, that selling pressure, I think, will continue. And we're going to see the markets extend a little bit further to downside. And we're seeing a lot of that in the options world right now. We're seeing puts being bought in a lot of different areas of the market that we hadn't seen in for a while. So because of that, I think it's going to be really, really interesting how they deliver, not just tonight, but this week, including Apple and all the rest of them. You know, Steph, um, you know, the points that Pete made are great. And and Josh made some interesting points, too. Um, And the takeaway is, you know, from Josh, it's really apt. um, The hiding places don't work anymore at least lately, right? <laughs> These stocks were all viewed as ports in the storm. And whatever storm there was brewing, you could find shelter in these stocks. And that story's been, the roof has been ripped off, if you will. And now we're trying to figure out if those are going to get rebuilt or if we're all going to get drenched. Because if those stocks really mm-hmm. don't stabilize and hold up or recover, then you have a broader market problem. Oh, you're absolutely right. Um, in terms of, uh, of that point, your last point there, uh, technology and comm services is 38% of the S&P 500. 
You know I've been under weight technology for the pe better part of the last year. I've actually this year narrowing my the, the names that I own because the problem is these Fang and Microsoft kinds of names, they're so over-owned. Not only are they over-owned, Scott, but the sell side just loves them. And it's been the right call, by the way. These stocks have been amazing up until about a year ago, right? And, and we've seen a lot of problems this year. So a lot of cracks right now. Um, I only own Meta, Facebook. You know I'm, I'm sitting with a loss on that, but I do think the valuation is is the cheapest of the fangs. The expectations are very low. Total revenues have come down 700 basis points for 2022. That is an enormous number. And the company still has two to three billion DAUs and MAUs, daily active users, monthly active users. And I think that the, the advertisers still find value in that. They're getting better returns on their investments because of the eyeballs. So this is not one that I think is stretched. I don't think any of them are stretched, but this one I well, think could bounce. The expectations are very, very low. And then, and then Apple, we can get into that, but that's more of a defensive play in my mind because it has you know just a strong brands and products and services and recurring revenue. And they're going to announce a buyback that will hopefully actually give them some support. So I am very, very underweight tech and comm services. I'm looking to buy if, if I get a good reason, but I think we're too early. Well, I mean, you're justifying the reasons why you would, would keep a Facebook, for example. And yes, right, they have all of those users. But I just wonder, and Alphabet's going to give us a good read on this tonight, what Alphabet says. Yeah. What Ruth Porat, the CFO, says about the digital advertising market, right? If you have a duopoly, essentially, between those two, Alphabet and Facebook, um, if you have worries about a global economic slowdown, that's one of the first mm -hmm. places that you would see it show up, right? You would, you would get commentary from a Google who would talk about what the digital ad market looks like, right? We've got some commentary already out of that from Snap. So pay close attention to that. I also wonder, 100%. Amy, you know, I also wonder, you know, yeah. you, you have, um, as somebody texted me a little while ago, a, a money manager, again, I'm not going to reveal who exactly it is, but they say what you're witnessing today is the intersection of higher rates, not today, obviously, but generally speaking with what the Fed is going to do, plus recession fears and the notion that forecasts are going to have to come down. I mean, that, that's a natural progression, right? If you, you're going to get higher rates, if you're worried about a slowdown, and then you're ultimately going to get forecasts coming down, that's going to hit stocks and especially some of the growth, growthier names. You trimmed Alphabet. It could be. Right? The, and yeah. I came to you, I came to you it, last, Amy, on, on purpose, because I wanted to get everybody's commentary and then to come to somebody who is actually making a move into the number tonight. And that's you, somebody who's been more negative than most on the market of late. And I recall our conversations over the last, you know, I don't know, six, eight weeks, last time you were on. You definitely yeah. have been more negative than the others, and you're expressing it through a trimming of shares of Alphabet into the number in three hours. Right. Well, it's, I'm not betting on the quarter tonight or the results. I don't know what the company is going to do, and I still own it, so I hope that it is a good number. But um, we have been more negative on the markets and on big tech in particular. I mean, and you can even take it further than, you know, the last two years. The only trade that you really needed to know for the last decade was to buy big tech. And they really benefited from a disinflationary environment and they had a lot of multiple expansion. Yes, earnings were good and growth was good. But these are now the dominant stocks in the market, as Josh said, as as they, they have a disproportionate amount of revenue, a disproportionate amount of market cap. 
They're widely owned. They're widely loved. They're owned by people who don't even know they own them in large sizes by just people who own passive indexes. So, you know, where's the marginal buyer here? And, you know, expectations are really high, you know, even though the stocks have come down a lot. Um, if you just look at the numbers and the expectations, they're high. So we, we think this is, you know, we've been early on, on getting out of the fangs, but um, we don't think this is the place that you want to be for the next decade. See, Josh, the marginal buyer, is, as Amy says, has been replaced by the marginal bailer, right, who would never otherwise leave these stocks, right? As I said, they, they were shelter in the storm. Wolf Research calls Fang a bubble. They say, and I'm quoting from their note this morning, and I want your reaction to it, our sense is that similar to the TMT bubble implosion, that's tech, media, and telecom, um, the broader Fang Plus NDX bubble is likely to burst when fundamentals start to meaningfully deteriorate as the overall economy slows. It kind of goes to the point that I was making with Steph, right? If you're worried about that, you better listen to Ruth Porat tonight. You better look at those results as we break them in overtime and see exactly what happens and what they say in the stock reaction. It's going to be a big tell. In the late 1960s and early 1970s, there was a very popular market meme. We didn't use the term meme back then. I wasn't born yet. Um, but there was a very popular market meme which held that if you bought these 50 stocks, they were the most important companies in America and the world, and there was no wrong price you could pay. So you could pay for Eastman Kodak 10 times earnings or 70 times earnings, and it didn't matter because over the ensuing decades, Eastman Kodak would never uh, lose its dominance in things like uh, developing film and selling cameras, LOL. Um, but that, applied, that logic applied to Procter & Gamble and Disney and AT&T and a whole laundry list of companies. I think of the 50, 25 are gone. Um, and then 10 of them were like a shadow of their former selves. And some of them ended up becoming really great investments over the next you know, 40 or 50 years. Let's say Coca-Cola, American Express. Like some of them bailed you out if you just paid any valuation. The problem is you went through the 70s in a massive drawdown in those stocks and you had to make it to the 80s before that r ridiculous valuation you paid would eventually be worn down by the earnings growth that would kick in. Um, and that process took over 10 years. The same thing played out in the year 2000. Microsoft ended up tripling its earnings from 2000 to 2010 and the stock price actually fell. So sometimes there are prices that you're paying in great companies that really no matter what the fundamentals do, you're still going to be uh, screwed. And I do think that we're starting to see the early innings of that realization start to dawn on both professional and retail investors. In 2020 and 2021, first level thinking was all you needed. You could say to yourself, this is a great company, therefore I buy the stock, the stock will work. That actually did do really well, that, that, that strategy. That hasn't been working now for six months. And one by one, and I own some of these, I'm in NVIDIA, I'm in Alphabet. One by one, we're starting to see the enthusiasm overwhelm uh, arguably really good fundamentals because of this market-wide adjustment on valuation. And I really don't think there's anything that you can do to stop it. I really don't think there's anything these companies can do to stop it. It's going to play out. People who are over-leveraged or over-concentrated are going to continue to be injured. And professionals like Stephanie, myself, and Pete, and Amy, 
We're going to sit back and look for opportunities amid the wreckage because the counterbalance to everything I've just said is that these companies can do massive buybacks and they probably will continue growing earnings uh, even as those multiples compress. And at a certain point, at least in the short term, they do go down too much. And so that's the game now. No more rising tide, Judge. That game ended. Mm-hmm. Now, Microsoft, which, by the way, Josh, is at 273, uh, 274, 273.74 uh, right now. So it's under that $275 that broken, line. That is now broken support. Yep. That's, that's you said was 275. Listen, yeah. And, and one last thing on this. We could very easily see a great number from Microsoft tomorrow that leads to a gap up green open for the NASDAQ. In fact, don't fall out of your chair. I would say it's a coin toss. But here's what you need to understand. We are below the 200 day moving average in the S&P. And this is a little historical fun fact. 47 of the 50 best and worst days for the market have taken place with, the, with us below the 200 day historically, which means these massive green days and massive red days tend to cluster together and almost every single one of them has taken place when the market is below its 200 day in a statistical downtrend. So the key for our viewers, don't get gassed by a big up green open if Microsoft or Alphabet or Apple are uh, one day wonders with a great earnings report. We're below the moving average in the market. A lot of crazy things happen in both directions. You need mm -hmm. to restrain your emotions on a day-to-day -day basis. Hey, Pete, I mean, with all due respect to Brian Cornell, I know he, he, he won't be offended. I know he won't. I mean, <laughs> Nadell is your guy, right? Sachi Nadell is your guy yes. in tech. Yes. You've talked right. about it over the last few years. You own this stock. So it's, you know, right yep. below support. It reports, as I said tonight, I mean, the pressure's on. Are you, are you concerned about a, a further breakdown from where where Microsoft shares have, have already gone this year, right? Year to date, they're down 19, yeah. but I said off the 52-week high, they're greater than 20% down. Yeah, I think you always have some concerns, Scott. There's no doubt. I mean, you have to have some concerns. I mean, you're looking at, at both sides of what, what they could do. If you look at the numbers that they're projected to put up there, the numbers are showing you incredible growth still, right? I mean, so that's, that's something important. If they can reach those numbers or maybe even extend past those or maybe even give a better forecast. Josh was talking about buybacks. They've got the cash to do all of those things. There's a lot of reasons why you could still be very bullish on Microsoft and the fact that they've been shifting around. They've closed on some deals. They actually still have this Activision deal in place as well. They're talking about how they're working towards the metaverse, what they're doing in terms of cloud itself and how they are attacking and trying to take away as much as they can from Amazon as their competitor. So there's a lot of different things going on and I, I, I respect. That is the reason why I bought the stock the second that that man was put in that position as CEO, because he's got that vision. He's made those difficult decisions, those big acquisitions, and I think they're all paying off over time for the company in a big way. So they are growing enough that I think that a, a, if, if they can hit those numbers as I suspect, it could be a pretty decent afternoon and start to the day tomorrow. And to Josh's point, yeah, there could be a lot of green on the screen if that's the case. 
that's that's the part of this that always makes it very interesting because should everybody else be jumping uh, you know to the upside just because Microsoft I'm not so sure that's actually the way it should work but Microsoft itself I think going into this number can put up some very big numbers and I expect to see that they will yesterday by the way we got all the way to 270 I don't think we've gotten to that level yet today before it turned around and finished the day up close to 281 so volatile markets we know that I think this is a company that can navigate their way through this pretty well. We'll see if I'm right. But obviously, cloud space is something that is growing, growing, growing. I don't see that slowing down at all, and I think Microsoft is positioned well. Well, we're going to see what the Azure growth is after the bell, see if it measures <laughs> yeah. up to whatever your expectations yeah. Are, yeah. and the markets are. Let's do this. Let's bounce for a couple minutes. We'll come back. We'll continue the conversation. I've got to come back to Steph and Amy. Uh, with some thoughts and also some moves that you really need to know about because the committee is making moves. We need to talk about GE too. You see shares of GE today? Ugly. Ugly, ugly, ugly. Down 12%. Stephanie Link owns it. Look, she's going to be on the hot seat next. That's the way it goes. Right, Steph? Be back to you in a minute. Old Dominion Freight Line was built on keeping promises. With an industry-leading on-time delivery record and low claims rate, we keep promises better than any other LTL freight carrier because we treat every shipment like it's our most important one. Visit odfl.com to learn more. What does it mean to be rich? Is it having more stories to share or time to give? Is it being able to keep your loved ones close or travel somewhere far away? At Edward Jones, we believe the key to being rich is knowing what counts. Your dedicated financial advisor will take a comprehensive approach to your financial strategy to help support what truly matters to you. EdwardJones.com slash findyourrich. Edward Jones, member SIPC. All right, ugly market, right? We're a little off the lows, but not much. We'll take whatever we can get. Stephanie Link, I'm going to get to some moves and everything in a moment, but I just wonder, and I want to, I guess, expand on your comments regarding Meta, right, which has come down a lot, and rehash those mm -hmm. comments that I got from a money manager who, who I have great respect for, and I, and I know our viewers like listening to, and I just can't reveal exactly who it is. Um, again, the intersection of higher rates plus recession fears and that forecasts are going to come down, and as that happens, multiples are going to continue to re-rate. Meta is cheaper than it was, but is it cheap enough, right? You're convinced that the Fed is going to pull this off, that they're not going to throw us into a recession. Historical evidence may prove otherwise. How am I supposed to judge these stocks today? I own them. I like them. Maybe I love them. Maybe you love Meta. But the reality is, in a slowing economic environment, that multiple may come down even more. Well, you actually just made the case for me on Meta because it trades at 13 times earnings and eight times EV to EBITDA. It's down 46%. Numbers already have come down, as I mentioned earlier, by 700 basis points in total revenue for 2022. And while I do not think they are going to get reels fixed this quarter, I am absolutely saying they will not. They will, I think, in the second half of this year. And in the meantime, you have huge eyeballs. You have a huge user engagement base that digital advertising companies, even if they do slow down, uh, they're still going to look for these quality companies. And I do still believe that Facebook is a quality company. Now, 
I have more concern if rates go higher in something like an Amazon that's trading at 46 times earnings or Microsoft that's trading at 28 times earnings. Google, Alphabet is the only one other than Meta that's actually very reasonable at 19 times. But I don't want to be overloaded in these names when everybody else is, is overloaded in these names. But that being said, free cash flow is going to be very impressive for all of these companies and also for Meta. And in fact, I wouldn't be surprised to hear Meta increase their buyback. They had a $50 billion buyback program put in place two quarters ago. I wouldn't be surprised if they upped that. All right, so let's talk about some moves. Let's do Amy first. Um, I mentioned trimming Alphabet. Um, mm -hmm. You've also trimmed Estee Lauder, LVMH, and EOG. You bought more yeah. Target, you bought more Nestle. But can you take me through the reasons that you took some profits in Estee, LVMH, and EOG? Sure. Well, EOG just got to be too big of a position. We are overweight energy. We've been overweight energy for a while. I continue to think that it works, but. Um, EOG in particular just got to be too big a percentage of the portfolio. So we just took some profits. Um, LVMH and Este have been great companies and great investments for us for a long period of time. LVMH beat by a billion dollars, a, bi a billion euros, and the stock went down. Um, so that was really worrying to me. I think, um, you know, the, both stocks are very expensive, very well liked. Um, you know, we're just going into a tougher consumer environment. So, so we trimmed back there and we added to staples i mean we added to target just because pete likes it so much <laughs> we just like the that's um, good enough for me <laughs> that's good enough for me <laughs> the defensive areas um and and nestle is nestle's probably our favorite staple all right uh stephanie link you trimmed coca-cola got too expensive for you yeah, I mean, it, it, it's a 27 times forward estimates, right? And it's up 11% on, on the year, and it's yielding close to 3%. They had a very, very good quarter, but I think it's important to take profits. I've owned this stock for a very long time. I think that the CEO is doing an amazing job at the company, streamlining the products, offering new ones, and that sort of thing. But it, what are you willing to pay for it? For me, 20, 27 times is very rich. So I just trimmed it. I'll probably hold on to the rest of it if it pulls back in a market kind of pullback. Maybe I buy it back, but for now, I think it's very prudent to take gains where you have them. You bought more, as Kramer would say, slob, SLB. I think that's what he called it the other morning on the show. Slumberjay, of course, is what I'm talking about. <laughs> uh, maybe those are from his good old days. Yeah, I bought it. Uh, yeah. You know, and Freeport. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And these are simply just because the stock prices have fallen a lot. Like yesterday, Schlumberger was down 10%. And this is a company that beat earnings, that reiterated guidance, increased their dividend 40%. 40%. Uh, and we haven't even seen international inflect yet. And that's going to come in the second half of this year. And margins are going much higher. 200 basis points year over year increase for 2022 over 21. So you will see operating leverage as the demand continues to stay strong. And I think demand will continue to stay strong for this company. In Freeport, it's down 23% in five days. And they beat on earnings, they beat on EBITDA, they did increase their cost guidance because of higher energy prices. Why that's a surprise to anybody, I don't know. But 20%, I thought, really interesting um, to, to, to double down here, especially when the stock trades at 11 times earnings. And their balance sheet is not the same balance sheet it was even five or six years ago. It's so much stronger. And they're actually working on paying down all that debt. Yeah. Hey, uh, Steph, I didn't forget about GE. Don't worry, you're not off the hook. We are, um, we're going to come back and talk okay. about that, along with Pete's unusual Leave activity that lady trades. Alone.
I mean, it is what it is. <laughs> We're back right after this. The spirit of performance defines Acura, and now it's electric. Introducing the all-electric ZDX, Acura's most powerful SUV yet. While what powers their cars may change, the energy that makes Acura never will. Crafted using the same formula that brought them electrified supercars and multiple IMSA championships, the ZDX has track-tested performance that packs an energy all its own. With a premium Bang & Olufsen sound system and up to 313-mile range on a single charge and a Type S variant with an estimated 500 horsepower, the ZDX is everything they said electric could never be. It was built with the driver in mind, just like Acura's been doing since the beginning. We could talk all day, but the only way to experience this electric performance is to drive it yourself. Unlock the energy and order yours at Acura.com. B2B selling is tougher than ever, and we feel your pain. If you're struggling to close deals, consider giving LinkedIn Sales Navigator a shot. This sales intelligence platform helps professionals like you engage high-value customers, drive higher revenue, and increase sales performance. Sales Navigator also guides you in targeting the right buyers, highlights key signals such as job changes or which accounts you should prioritize, and uncovers hidden hot prospects so you can find those buyers that are most likely to convert. Fueled by LinkedIn's 1 billion member platform, Sales Navigator gives you the most up-to-date first-party data, enabling you to unlock conversations with the people that matter. Right now, you can try LinkedIn Sales Navigator and get a 60-day free trial at linkedin.com slash report. That is linkedin.com slash halftime report for a 60-day free trial. Let LinkedIn Sales Navigator help you sell like a superstar today. Just go to linkedin.com slash halftime report and get started. All right, we're off the lows. You got some bids coming into tech. Right? I mean, NASDAQ's about 60-plus points off of where we started some 31 minutes ago. So you do have some money coming into technology stocks ahead of those big earnings reports after the bell. Again, Microsoft and Google reporting tonight. We'll be here in overtime to break those numbers and give you the instant stock reaction. Let's talk about stock reaction, though. That one right there, GE. Steph, let's do it. Stock's down 11%. It's a new 52-week low. Steve Tuza, the most closely followed analyst on this stock from J.P. Morgan, says, quote, for the stock, a miss, plain and simple, on almost all fronts. It's now clear that a collapse in the forward curve on EBITDA is inevitable to anyone with Excel. The stock should be down today. Again, he's got a $55 price target on it, so he sees significant downside from here. You've defended this thing on the way down. I mean, what, what do you, what, what's, the, what's the story now? I was buying it at six, seven, eight, ten dollars $10, okay? And that's obviously pre-split. So um, I was buying it after it fell substantially a few years ago because of Culp, because he came in and he's got a great reputation and a great track record. And I don't, that doesn't change in my book after today. In fact, I think this is such an overreaction. I can't wait to actually add to it. And I will when I can, when I'm not restricted. Let's go through the numbers. They beat on earnings. Total revenues were in line. Free cash flow. It was down $900 million in line. That was not a miss by any means. It's seasonality, and they reiterated free cash flow of 5.5 to 6.5 billion for 2022. 
orders rose 13 percent. Margins increased 110 basis points. And as I mentioned, the key is the free cash flow guide. And they reiterated that. Aviation is your standout. It's 35 percent of total revenues. It's one of the main reasons I own the stock. And you had orders up 32 percent. Healthcare was disappointing because of supply chain issues. Margins got hit 400 basis points. But guess what? Orders were up 9 percent. Business isn't going away. Supply chains eventually will get fixed. And renewables is a good disaster. I'll give you that for sure. But they have somebody new that's actually running that division that I believe will turn it around. Uh, and surprisingly, power, which I wasn't expecting much from, their margins actually rose 200 basis points. So I, I'm looking at some of these things and saying, sure, should the stock be down because of the guide? The guide for the overall year was down at the, at the low end. They didn't even cut guide. They just said it's going to be at the low end. So maybe should it be down 3 4%? Probably. Down 12? You have to be kidding me. This is a buy. Touche to Steven Tusa. That's all I can say after that. Yes. <laughs> we'll have to get him on one of these days when you're on, Steph. We can have a nice little debate. All right, up next, a trade on Happy the best performing it. stock in the S&P 500 today. Farmer Jim owns it. He joins us when halftime returns. Pete's working on unusual activities. Got a couple good names for you. Back right after this. I'm Seema Modi, and here's your CNBC News update at this hour. In just the last few minutes, the White House has announced that Vice President Kamala Harris has tested positive for COVID-19. It says she is not experiencing any symptoms and that President Biden is not a close contact as defined by health officials. She will isolate and continue to work from her residence and will return to the White House when she tests negative. Harvard University will spend $100 million to create an endowed fund to study and readdress what the school's president calls a history that includes extensive entanglements with slavery. A report notes enslaved people worked on Harvard's campus in the earliest decades. And that quote, the labor of enslaved people both far and near enriched numerous donors and ultimately the institution. In central Russia, four people are dead after a school shooting. Authorities say a man entered a kindergarten, killed two young children and a teacher, and then committed suicide. One report says the shooter was a mentally ill 26-year-old who stole a gun from another man who was also murdered. And in North Korea, a big military parade included some of the country's intercontinental ballistic missiles. The country's leader, Kim Jong-un, said in a speech that the nuclear weapons are primarily designed to deter attackers, but that their use can, quote, never be confined to the single mission. Scott, back to you. All right, Seema, appreciate that. Thank you, Seema Modi. All right, shares of Sherwin-Williams soaring on the back of its earnings beat. It is the best stock in the S&P 500 today. Let's bring in farmer Jim Laventhal. He owns it. It's good to see you, Jimmy. See, we don't only call you up when there's like a disaster we need to talk about or something I need to get at you with. It's time for you to have a big smile on your face and feel good. Sherwin. I felt bad when I said that yesterday. I was teasing you and it came across poorly. Of course. Um, No, it didn't. But it was just fine. It was just fine. But uh, Sherwin-Williams, Scott, I mean, you know, you look at this and you say, wow, up 9% on a day when the market's down. And let's face it, in the past couple of weeks, you've had some companies that have beat earnings just as well as Sherwin-Williams has, but they've gone down. I mean, a lot of them. The airlines are down from where they reported last week. Cleveland Cliffs. So what's the difference here? The difference is, I think the key words that management said in their press release, the key words are, we think we are through the worst of the industrial supply chain challenges. I think it is as simple as that. I think that's also a tell 
for the rest of the market. You know, we've got some companies coming up the rest of this week that are that have faced supply chain issues, GM, Ford, Qualcomm. I think to the extent that any of them show they've got their supply chains coming under control, it could be very positive. I mean, this outsized move in the face of a terribly down market, to me, just indicates how much the market is focused on supply chains right now. Well, I mean, it just means you really got to beat, right? If you beat and it's just like, okay, you know, you beat by little, then your market, I mean, the stock may go down. Um, I'm looking, I'm pulling up GM right now because GM reports after the, the close tonight, right, in, uh, in OT. Uh, the yeah, stock I think, is down I three think if you want me, I'll come join you. Are we booking right now live on the air, Jim? Is that how, is that how we're doing it now? We just, we're doing that? All right. You're on. If I have room, I got to see. I but I'm it's I good to know you're available. It's good to know you're available. Yeah. Uh, so we're down three and a quarter percent on General, on General Motors. Uh, seriously, what are your expectations? Well, here's, let me tell you what I'd really like. I'd like to see capital allocation back to shareholders. Um, the company has a, now a well track record of beating expectations and really generating a lot of free cash flow, but they still haven't reinstituted the dividend from two years ago, and they really haven't done any share buybacks at all. Now, we know that production has been constrained by supply chain issues, um, but we, we also know that average selling prices have been very, very high, and that the combination of those two has meant gargantuan profits. I'm expecting a beat, but more than anything, I want to see some capital reallocated. Okay, Pete, let's bring Pete in, because Pete, you own GM Calls, right? Yes, I do. I, do, I own the deep in the money calls, Scott. Well, they were deep in the money at the time. They're the 37s out in May. And I also want to add to that, on top of that, we even have a lot of buying today, Farmer Jim. People are fairly bullish going into these numbers. They are buying a little bit further out in time, but 10,000 of the, the May 39 calls that expire two weeks away getting bought today. So somebody out there thinks that you're on the right track, that this is going to be a bullish report. Josh, and it's all about GM. chips. Let me I'm sorry, from Scott, Josh. I apologize. No, Just sorry. Really, really condense it down. It's about chips. If they say they're getting a good supply of chips, the stock will perform because that means they're going to produce more cars. And frankly, we know the demand is there. I mean, I, I'm one who's like driving past the lots. I need a new car. I've got cars that are breaking down. I need a new car. I'm not alone. They're just the supply isn't there. Okay, wrap it up, Josh. It's a broken stock in a broken sector in a broken market. So I would basically say until this thing shows any sign of stabilizing um, and, and the buyers coming in, I just don't understand what the rush is. The good news is 37.38 has been support in the past, pretty meaningful support. So let's give it a week or two. So, Jim, I'll give you the last word based on what Josh just said, and then I got to go. Yeah, the market is what the market is, and I'm, I'm not trying to be, uh, you know, in any way blase. Wow, that's, that's very He's zen. absolutely right. What's that, Josh? <laughs> it's very zen. I like it. Yeah, no, but it is what it is, and you got to listen for the market overall. For all of us, you've got to get through this period. It's very annoying. We're seeing a lot of companies report very excellent operational reports, and it's not just mattering. But give it another month or two. Let's get through. Let's adjust to the Fed. Let's adjust to supply chain issues from China, and I think these operating results are going to continue to exceed. All right, uh, you've invited yourself to dinner tonight. I'll have to talk to the team, see if we have room at the table. It's okay. I mean, you're, you're entitled to do that. I'm not offended. We'll just see if we have room and we'll let you know. Stay by your phone.
All right, that's Jim Labenthal joining us in the half, arguing he needs to be on overtime too. We'll see. All right, Pete has latest <laughs> unusual activity trades coming up and looking ahead to this Saturday, April 30th, only on CNBC.com. It's a big event because you can watch Berkshire Hathaway's annual shareholders meeting live. It all starts at 9.45 a.m. Eastern on CNBC.com. We'll be right back on the half. All right, Pete, I can't wait any longer. Unusual activity. What do you have today? <laughs> <laughs> all right, we're going to start it off in the food world. We're going to go to Wendy's, Scott. Now, this one's pretty interesting because of the fact that you look at this stock. You can go back a year. It's at 52-week lows. You can go back multiple years. It's at multiple year lows as well. This is a name that's trading sub 20 or right around 20 bucks. We got a buyer, though, of 10,000 of the May 22 calls. What's interesting is we've got earnings in place as well. Those are going to be coming on the 11th, so this concludes that. These are very inexpensive, looking for a little bit of upside. Maybe this thing can start to get turned around and go to the upside. Those are 15 to 30 cents, those calls. Plug Power. This name has hit a couple of times of late. Stock trading at, at, at about 22 bucks as well. They're buying 7,500 of the May 23 and a half calls, Scott. These are going for about a buck 70, a little bit more expensive. We've been talking about energy for a really long time. This is one of those names, and of course, they've got an, an immense exposure to pipelines. This is going to be a really no. I'm sorry. I was jumping forward to uh, excuse me to energy uh, energy transfer. That's the one with the pipelines. That one's really interesting as well because we are seeing some calls coming back into this name. Not just a couple. They're buying 30,000 calls in energy transfer. That's what makes this one so, so stunning right now. Stock trading a little bit over 11. They bought 30,000 of the May 6th expiring 11 and a half calls. Those are going for about 30 cents. So we've got a lot of energy state facing us right now. ET, we've got plug, and I can tell you, on our boards right now, we have an incredible amount of energy starting to hit on this little bit of a pullback we've had in oil. Yeah, a big pullback, too, in, in uh, energy stocks, yeah. right? I mean, down 10%, so I can, I can yes. understand why. All right, Pete, thank you. Yeah. Coming up, we're going to yeah. trade some of the Thanks. biggest analyst calls of the day. We're back on the half right after this. Are you following the Halftime Report podcast? What are you waiting for? Real debate and actionable advice from the investment committee, plus unusual activity and more. Look for us in your favorite podcasting app. Follow the Halftime Podcast now. Live Nation, initiated by today at Rosenblatt, the firm saying the post-COVID concert boom will last for years. Uh, price target 138, 30% upside from here. Josh Brown, you own it. Do you still like it? Not only do I like it, but I fully agree with, with the rationale that the analyst is making. I've been making it. The stock's been an absolute horse. Over the last year, the S&P 500 is up 4% in total return. Live Nation is up 34%. Over the last six months, the S&P is down 5.5%. This stock is up 10%. It acts better than almost everything else I own. I think it's one of the best names in the S&P. I would keep it. If you're not in it, I would use the weakness to, to uh, find an entry. Okay. Let's talk Disney, uh, guys. All right. The price target was cut today because kind of rival calls here. Price target cut to 140 from 175 at BMO, reiterated by at Deutsche Bank, and their price target remains 191, Amy. So, I mean, the spread between those two numbers is rather large. Where, where's yours? Um, I'm more with the latter analyst. Um, obviously, the political noise has been really disappointing um, and has impacted the stock. But 
I can say almost the exact opposite of everything Josh said about Live Nation, about Disney. It's been a complete dog year to date, but I do think it, um, and probably one of the worst stocks in my portfolio, but it will benefit from a reopening. Um, it's trading at 23 times next 12 months earnings, which is really cheap for them. They still have great content. I think their streaming business will do just fine um, and will not be plagued by a lot of the issues that um, Netflix had. So we like it here. I mean, obviously, the political controversy, you know, notwithstanding, but um, I think the fundamentals are, are pretty good. Where's my value investor? Stephanie Link. I'm looking at Disney right now. Why, why, why doesn't this interest you at all? As much as the stocks come down, it's down 25 percent year to date. Over the last year, it's down even more, 36 percent. No interest? No, I really don't. I mean, I, I do believe in the reopen and the theme park play for sure. But this stock really does trade on OTT, right? Streaming and that sort of thing. And they're going to have to spend a ton of money, a ton more than I think that they even realize, especially given that Netflix is spending $17 billion a year. So I think it's going to, that whole space is, does not interest me at all. And it's 23 times earnings. If it gets to 16, 15, 16 times below the market multiple, I'd buy it. Pete, give me something quick. You own Disney stock or, or options or both? I actually own the stock, not the options. I sell calls against it, Scott, to try to get back a little something. But, you know, I thought I was really positioning myself really well when the stock dropped as significantly as it did when I bought it. It just continued to drop as well. I think the part of the problem, the biggest part of the problem right now, streaming. Everybody knows it. That's what the weight is. Everything else is a reopen that I think does work in Disney's favor. But right now they're being punished because stream, streaming was why so many were buying it. Now it's why so many are selling it. I think that's the wrong decision. I think this is a stock that can turn it around. I'll just look up. It's like after 12.55. That means I can't believe we're almost out of time. We're going to take a quick break. We'll come back. we got final trades, so get ready. Overtime tonight, 4 o'clock Eastern. You know what is on the line tonight. Microsoft and Google reporting their numbers. Alphabet, of course. We're going to have that as they break. The stock reaction, Dan Ives is going to be with me. Brian Belsky is going to be with me. I think we found room at the kids' table for Jim Labenthal. I think. I don't know if he can eat the main core. He might have to get chicken fingers. But nonetheless, he might join us too. We'll have to see. Amy Raskin, start us off. Um, Cadence Design Systems. I wanted something green on on a sea of red today. But the company reported last night. Excellent quarter. I encourage everyone to listen to this conference call. Really well positioned for the future. Um, like this company a lot. Okay. The Linkster. IBM. This is a company that had great numbers last week, and the stock is down. It trades at 14 times earnings. It has a f- almost 5% dividend yield, and they've got $35 billion in cash that they're going to generate over the next three years to buy back stock, to do M&A, and do what they did today, which is in- they increased their dividend by 6%. Josh Brown. Uh, I would say Moderna is getting back to an interesting level. Last time I bought it was around 125. I may dip back in as it gets closer. This stock has just been overly punished. Okay. And finally, Pete. I'm going to give you General Motors. And the reason I say that is not about Farmer Jim. This is about I'm seeing so much buying today. I've had three separate Uh, monstrous buys in there today. We're looking for this thing to go higher. All right. Good stuff. I'll see you in the OT. You've been listening to CNBC's Halftime Report, the podcast. You can always catch us live weekdays at 12 Eastern, only on CNBC. 
people today can spend half their lives over 50. So it's good to be financially ready for what's important to you as you get older, like a family vacation. Or starting your dream business. Welcome to Connie's Coffee. How may I help you? AARP's trusted financial tools can help you plan for whatever your future holds. That's why the younger you are, the more you need AARP. Start planning today at aarp.org slash money tools. 